Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, I'm Sir Pollock and this is In the News from the Irish Times, where we take a close look at the stories that matter. Today, how Poland's right-wing politicians are reshaping society. Earlier this month, former European Council President and ex-Prime Minister Donald Tusk was elected head of Poland's strongest opposition party. Tusk said he was returning to politics in his home country to help fight the evil of the right-wing Law and Justice Party, also known as Peace, which has been in power since 2015. His return to Polish politics follows a number of changes to the Polish justice system, including an effective ban on abortions earlier this year. The new ruling only allows for women to access abortions in cases of rape, incest or if the mother's health is at risk. The EU says these changes are undermining democracy, while thousands of people, including judges and lawyers, have taken to the streets to protest the reforms. But what does all this mean for Polish people? Do they want to see political change, or are many happy with the country's current leadership? Derek Scali is the Irish Times Berlin correspondent, and he writes regularly about politics and culture in Poland. Derek, to start with, could you give us a quick recap as to why Poland is back in the news this week? Poland's in the news because of the National Conservative Law and Justice Party. Now, they've been in power in Poland since 2015, and I think it's fair to say that Poland has never been the same since. They've reshaped huge sections of Polish life. This is what they came to power to do. They've reshaped the media, the courts. Recently, they've effectively outlawed abortion. And for for peace, uh, law and justice and its followers, they say it's all about unfinished business. They say there were an awful lot of loose ends in Poland after it transitioned to democracy in 1989. And for them, it's all about getting away from the old elites. There were once was a communist elite. And then they say there was a liberal elite and that they've been dividing the spoils of Poland in the last decades between them. And peace say, well, we came to power to spread the wealth around. You know, there are lots of people living outside of cities in Poland who haven't felt the benefit of uh, democracy and capitalism. And they won election in 2015 and in 2019 promising to do that. And they, in the last election, got 44% of the vote. That's a piece and that's why Poland's in the news. There is huge support for Law and Justice Party or Peace, as they're known, as you say, but there are a lot of people who don't agree with what they're doing. What are they saying? 
Indeed, I mean, it's very vocal criticism of peace uh, politically, civil rights groups, all sorts of minority groups. They say um, peace and their allies are effectively undermining Polish democracy, the separation of powers, independent judiciary, free media, civil rights. And these critics say, you know, peace is pure populism. They've created a, a friend-foe narrative. They frame themselves as the only true defender of Polish national identity and values. And they've allied themselves with the very powerful Catholic Church in Poland. And all critics of their methods uh, and their program are def- defamed as traitors. They, these people are attacking the Polish nation. They want to destroy Poland. So it's a very high-stakes battle. It's very brutal and it's very um, emotional. Why is Poland important to us here in Ireland? What is the connection between the Polish people and Irish people? I think it's fair to say that Poland is our uh, central European cousin. It's not Eastern Europe. Look at a map of Europe. It's right at the heart of Europe. It's always been at the heart of Europe. And it has really, for Irish people, a very familiar story of oppressive neighbours, huge you know, tragedies in their history. Polish people always have found great consolation in Catholicism in the hard times. And even today, I mean, Poland's present is like Ireland's present. We're still dealing with the traumas of the past uh, and they're still very much informing our present. Um, I mean, just on a day-to-day basis, there's a huge Polish-Irish um, community in Ireland, 150,000 people, and they're hugely rooted in Irish life. I mean, I think most people know people either Polish or Polish-Irish, and you know they've commanded huge respect as you know as hard workers, good neighbours, and actually Polish is the most spoken foreign language each day in Ireland. The other way around, um, around about 1,500 people have made their Irish people have made their home in Poland. So you know it's not as far away as many people. Would, would say for a certain generation, you know, it was behind the Iron Curtain. But the connection is real. And I think uh, anyone who was at the European Championships in 2012, there was 30,000 Irish went to Poland. There's 60, 60 flights a week. Poland is there. Poland is very much in, in, I think, in many Irish people's minds. And I'm glad that you mentioned that large Polish community that exists here in Ireland, because it is that they are the largest group of foreign nationals here in Ireland, according to the 2016 census. And I'm sure when we get around to doing the next census, it will reflect that as well. Derek, you're based in Berlin and you write about for the Irish Times from Berlin, but you actually have a very strong connection to Poland. Isn't that right? I was shocked when I thought about it. I've been going to Poland now for 20 years. Um, the first time I went was 20 years ago to cover an election. I admit I knew very little about Poland at that time, but I did end election night in a pub with Polish politicians who'd just been elected. They'd had a few drinks and they serenaded me with a popular folk song called uh, I Love You Like I Love Ireland. I thought this was a joke, but it's a true story. It's a true song. It's very popular. Twoich czarnych oczu bliskość wciąż kocham cię jak Irlandię. So I realised there is a connection there and I go back really as often as I can for work, for holidays. You can hop on a train from Berlin, you're there. And it's extraordinary, beautiful, beautiful place. And I often say to my friends, I'm never as happy as when I've got a, a Polish beer in front of me, maybe a bowl of Zurich uh, sour rice soup or uh, some pierogi dumplings. I mean, Polish food is comfort food. I think it's some of the best in the world. And, you know, it's a cultured place. It's it's Chopin, it's Polanski. But it's, of course, it's the, there was the stage really for, for the Holocaust. Poland suffered more than any other country. Six million people were killed by the Nazis. Half of them were Polish Jews. So, you know, there's that side of Polish history as well, the, the Nazi occupation, the ghettos, the Nazi concentration camps and death camps. So it's just a place of huge drama, huge culture, great food, great people. So it sounds like you really like the country, that you have a real 
connection to it? Well, I like it and I, I respect it also because I've seen what's happened since 2001. I've seen the amazing transformation, the huge work everyone has put in in Poland since it joined the EU. I think it's fair to say Poland is one of the great winners of EU accession. I mean, the farmers haven't given a huge boost with EU money and many of the cities are unrecognizable. You know, the difference in infrastructure is night and day, the roads, the trains. And, you know, we Irish, we like to think we've had the worst look in history, but I think Poland has had it even worse. And for, for a huge chunk of the 20th century, they were being held back by circumstances beyond their control. They were a hostage. They were hostage in the Eastern Bloc, controlled from Moscow. So the last few decades, it's been such a joy to see uh, all that pent up frustration and potential being unleashed and the EU helping Poland uh, really blossom to become the country it always wanted to be. So, Derek, we spoke very briefly at the start of this conversation about the fact that Poland is in the news right now. Can you take us through some of the reforms that have been introduced by the Peace Party that are causing such tensions? I know that the media has been in the news this week. Yes, media is a really big issue. Um, right when Pol- um, Peace came to power in 2015, they said they were going to reform public sector broadcasting. Uh, that's TVP. Many politicians in the past have meddled with public broadcasters in Poland, but but I think peace have gone quite a lot further. Um, they've turned into what many observers have, would say is a government propaganda station. They don't really report the news. They advance the populist government agenda. So everything peace does is great. Uh, it's you know defending Polish national honour. Anyone who isn't part of the peace narrative is a threat. So they're anti-Polish, they're pro-Jewish, they're pro-gay. I mean, if your, your grandmother is sitting at home in Poland watching TVP, she's told every day, every hour, that this sort of ideologies undermining Polish identity, you know, that the LGBT ideology, whatever that is, is is, is sort of a neo-Bolshevist scourge. This is what's being said, and and this plays very well with the Peace Corps voters beyond the major cities. TVP is really part of the government machine at this stage. So are there are there other channels as well that people can watch or is everyone watching TVP? Yeah, it's not it's not as bad as Hungary. I mean, Hungary, um, really, the media is now largely controlled either directly by the government or by um, friends of Viktor Orban, the prime minister. In Poland, there are independent radio stations. There's good daily newspapers and there's TVN, TVN, um, a private broadcaster and news station that's ultimately owned by a US company Discovery. Um, but that may be under threat. Just in the last days, a, a bill has come before Parliament to prevent what they call outside bodies owning media organisations. And the Prime Minister, uh, Mateusz Morawiecki, said outside bodies would be uh, companies from outside the European economic area. So that's the EU, that's Norway, Iceland, Liechtenstein. And Poland's government say that having foreign-owned media um, is a security threat. It leaves Poland open to foreign manipulation, foreign propaganda. TVN have said, look, we've got a 16% market share. Uh, yeah, we're owned by an outside body and you're saying you want to defend Poland, but you're actually just trying to silence us because TVN is hugely critical of the government. They're saying you want to deprive viewers of the right to choose under this false pretense of uh, of a fight against foreign propaganda. So uh, TVN, public broadcaster, is a propaganda station and the loudest critic, uh, TVN, um, is now facing um, yeah, an existential crisis. What about the judiciary? Um, I know changes have been going on there as well with regard to uh, the Law and Justice Party. What have they been doing? 
This is kind of the biggest of them all, because if you control the judiciary, you can control the country and peace is determined to control um, the judiciary, say a lot of their critics. Um, they've packed the Supreme Court and the Constitutional Tribunal with allies. And um, many of these have been appointed in anything but a regular fashion. There's a new board for appointing judges, which is chosen, uh, the members of the board are chosen by parliament. There's a board to reprimand sitting judges. Critics would say this is all set up to appoint either uh, judges loyal to the government or to discipline uh, the others while they're still on the bench. And, you know, there's two sides to everything. Peace would say, look, there was an awful lot of cronyism in the judiciary. There was the, the, the system was very slow. We're trying to streamline things. And the critics would say, well, the opposite has actually happened. This was just about your attempts to exert political control have tied the courts in knots. Many judges are afraid uh, to make rulings and they're unsure if the ruling uh, is appealed to a higher court or the judges who are actually hearing the ruling were they legally appointed and for us it's important because you know Poland's the judiciary is tied into the European Union judiciary system and uh, many judges around Europe are very well plugged into what's going on and they're very worried about this there have been marches with their Polish colleagues many courts around Europe have put their cooperation with Poland that's at least on a gone on a go slow if not completely on ice um European arrest warrants have been affected um so you know if one country in the European Union judiciary system the legitimacy is is questioned that puts the whole European judicial system under question so what impact is this so-called reform of the judiciary having on the daily lives of Polish people most people don't really seem to be worried about it because obviously they've got their own problems, you know, getting the kids to school, paying the mortgage. But people who have things like, let's say, a pension claim that goes to court or maybe a custody battle or maybe you feel you've been wronged by somebody, somebody's committed a crime against you who's fled the country. That's where you start to have dealings with the courts. So anyone who has dealings with courts now, even ordinary polls are starting to see um, things aren't quite the way they should be and that there's some... Um, this political agenda to reform has in, infiltrated the independence of the courts. And once you don't have independent courts or people who don't feel the courts are independent, that's when daily life starts to, to break down. So it's, it's slow but sure erosion of the separation of powers and uh, independent judiciary. Coming up, Donald Tusk's return to Polish politics and the government's crackdown on abortion and LGBTQ plus rights. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
So former Polish Prime Minister Donald Tusk has now re-entered politics in his home country after quite a number of years in Brussels. And he's been speaking quite frankly about the evils of the reforms that have been introduced by the Law and Justice Party. Derek, how does Tusk fit into this whole story? Uh, Donald Tusk, many people would best remember him as the former president of the European Council in Brussels. That's where the member states meet. But before that, he was a two-term Polish prime minister. He was head of the conservative liberal civic platform. Uh, and after he went to Brussels, it lost power and it's been struggling ever since. And because of that, he felt the need to come back and um, save the party and perhaps save Poland. And he's now the interim leader and he's determined to point out to people just how far peace have gone, just how they've undermined the judiciary, um, the media. And there's so much hate speech now in Polish public discourse. He's determined to show just how far Poland has fallen in terms of democratization and, you know, its reputation in the EU. And what are his chances? Are people supportive of him the way they were before? Mm, yeah, we don't know yet. I mean, for many people, Tusk is a saviour and he's come back to save the day. For others, he's really the devil incarnate. I mean, people who've been watching public television, they've been just getting this permanent narrative that he's some sort of a German-loving you know, collaborator or traitor. Um, and he's really become the perfect foil, the projection of everything that peace hate and he is it. So he may intentionally have actually helped his rivals by coming back because they can use him for their own ends. But on the other hand, the government party peace is actually starting to show the cracks. Its leader, Jaroslav Kaczynski, isn't as uh, untouchable as he used to be. So uh, on the one hand, the government has brought in many popular measures. Child support was boosted, pensions were reformed. You know, other measures where people would say, yeah, that actually has made a difference to my life. That's why peace have my vote. Donald Tusk will be asking the question, is the price worth it? And that's a rather big question. And it'll be interesting to see if Polish voters are interested in looking at that big philosophical question of where is our country going? I guess, yeah, does the philosophy matter to the people who need the child support and the pensions? I mean, aren't they just going to continue voting in that way if it means financially they're in a more secure position? Exactly. I mean, people will always say some you know, journalists sitting in capital cities writing about you know the rule of law. They don't really know much about uh, people on low incomes in rural Poland. And it's true, even journalists, but also the civic platform. That's one of the reasons they lost power. People say they got arrogant. You know, the Poland, Warsaw looked wonderful, but you know, you drive an hour outside of Warsaw and it really looked like a different country. So that they lost, they forgot about people. And peace uh, saw those people and gave them a voice. They say, and gave them some extra money in their pockets. So, you know, peace didn't come to power with witchcraft. They won, have won two elections with a political program that appeals to Poles. So out of respect for Polish people, you know, they are choosing this and they know best what their reality is like on the ground. It's just the question is, what is the price you're paying for that extra bit of um, child support in your pocket? And um, is it really worth it? Um, you know, but you know, we'll see. There was an election in 2019. So if the, if it runs full term, we've got quite a few years to go. ask you about another reform which was brought in by peace and this is around access to abortion. This was a huge issue earlier this year and late last year and it sparked widespread protests and was covered across the international press. Can you explain the changes that have happened around access to abortion? 
Well, to understand what's changed, I mean, you have to look back before uh, the fall of communism in 1989, Poland had quite a liberal um, abortion regime, like most countries in the Eastern Bloc. Um, women were expected to work and it was considered just a, a part of women's choice, but also it was an economic necessity. So abortion was there. Uh, the Catholic Church was on the back foot. So when communism fell, the Catholic Church had swollen up to become, it was always considered itself the defender of Polish nationhood. But it is now, uh, particularly in the 90s, had huge influence and it managed to push back abortion and with peace as their ally. Effectively, abortion is outlawed. The move means that all abortions in Poland will now be banned, except in cases of rape and incest, and when the mother's life or health are considered to be at risk. I mean, even before this, it was very hard to get an abortion. Many doctors would say their conscience wouldn't allow it. So and many Polish women were going to Germany, to the Netherlands. And now it's just uh, a trickle has turned into an absolute a rush because um, the situation is, for many women in Poland, is just um, impossible. And another debate that is ongoing is around LGBT rights. And I've read about these LGBT ideology free zones. What are they? I know that some ambassadors actually to Warsaw have spoken up recently about the protection of LGBT rights in Poland. But these ideology free zones, what what does that mean? Before we get into it, it's important to point out it's a scapegoat. I mean, this peace and populism only works with clearly defined enemies. Um, Back in the 90s into the early 2000s, I mean, Jews, Polish politics was outrageously anti-Semitic so um, but Jews are now no longer uh, opportune as a foe so um, LGBT community have now become it they are now kicked around as you know the great danger and according to peace lesbian gays by people trans people who are pursuing their human rights are undermining what it means to be Polish and this must be stopped and LGBT ideology also discussion about um, uh, gender theory that this is all anti-Polish, that this is um, something that's they're trying to sort of undermine humanity effectively is what they're saying. It's quite politically useful. Um, everyone can sort of kick it around. They claim that they people, many people claim that they don't know any gay people. And while being gay in many of the main, major Polish cities is okay, once they leave, it's another story entirely. So the problem with this sort of abstract um, uh, scapegoat is that it's actually affecting real people. And I, I know many people in the LGBT community Community in Poland who've organized marches and they say, you know, it's, it's, it's open season on us, effectively because of government propaganda and the broadcasters that LGBT people are this almost like a, a fatwa on them. It's, they can be attacked and they're not 100% sure if they'll be protected by the police. And the government comes out and says, of course, LGBT people need to be respected. It's LGBT ideology that we complain about. And you ask them, like, what, what, do you, what is this ideology? And what are, you, are you accepting the consequences that you know, these people could be killed? Uh, and it's all just very depressing. Um, and people who are in the LGBT community in Poland, they really feel a bit like women um, who have been trapped without the right to abortion. They feel they've been abandoned really by their liberal neighbours in Germany and, and Western Europe that, um, you know, they, they have these struggles that other countries like Ireland and elsewhere really either are very far away or they just couldn't possibly imagine. But we're looking on while this is all happening in Poland. It kind of sounds to me that women and then minority groups like LGBT uh, plus groups, they don't fit into this re Polonization nationalistic goal that is, am I right in thinking that, that it's kind of, we want a certain type of Poland and everything else needs to be 
pushed aside. Yeah, I mean, that's the at the end of the day, that's the question. Can one party claim to have the entire nation's um, interests and priorities at heart? Um, you know, you can have catch-all political parties and, and peace in many ways is a catch-all party. It is quite effectively understood what Polish voters want and given it back to them. So where's the harm in that, you might say? It's just that for this system to work, you need to have clearly defined enemies. You need to find enemies within and without. So it's, you know, it's Germany and it's, it's LGBT. What effectively, there's huge um, historical traumas in Poland. You know, Ireland is the same. We have huge traumas. And if you have a political party that's able to tap those traumas, to play those traumas, the trauma of being invaded, the trauma of being undermined from within, the trauma of your neighbor betraying you, these are all real things that Poles experienced either under the Nazi occupation or in communist times and these aren't abstract and peace knows how to play these and um it's it's um i respect the choice of polish people to choose whatever government they want i think most governments in europe feel the same but there's there are consequences and sometimes the consequences aren't always clear when you're inside the country and yeah my hope i guess is that the eu um have certain rules and you know if poland at the moment for instance is not 100% sure whether the eu law is the last word in uh, in poland and if you don't believe that eu law has supremacy are you a member of the European Union? So this has been a very slow thing. It's been building for many, many years now, at least six years, but it really, between the courts, the media, LGBT, abortion rights, uh, and now the media, uh, it really seems to be coming to a head. And because this is, this is not just a battle for Poland, it's, it's a battle between nationalist populism and progressive liberalism. It's, this is happening in the middle of Europe. It's, you know, this battle is a bit more obvious in Poland and in Hungary. Uh, it's a bit more blunt. Um, but, you know, these battles are happening everywhere in Europe. So it seems to me that we're going to keep hearing about Poland in the news for a while to come. Yeah, I mean, and for Irish people living uh, in Ireland or in Poland, but particularly in Ireland, I mean, if you have Polish neighbours, do ask them about the situation, you know, you know, talk to them. I mean, don't be surprised if it's quite a polarized debate. Uh, it's quite a polarized discussion in Poland, but also among the Poles in Ireland. But I think showing attention, showing, you know, support, concern is, is about showing respect for Poles. And I think many people them would feel delighted that they, their Irish neighbors are showing an interest. I think Poles have gotten too little love, uh, too little attention, too little respect uh, in history. And uh, I mean, going back to that song, um, the question for us is, do we love Poland like we love Ireland? Derek, thank you so much for your time. That's it for today. You can read more from Derek Scully about the developing political situation in Poland on irishtimes.com. In the news, we'll be back on Friday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 